Welcome to the podcast of Christ Covenant Church, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America, located in the township of Langley, British Columbia. My name is Gary Vanderveen, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you would like to know more about our congregation, please visit us online at www.langleychurch.org. Today, we want to think briefly about the ascension of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Forty days after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, where he now sits at the Father's right hand, ruling over all things for the Father's glory and for our good. Now, over the last several months, we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is also the author of this book, the book of Acts. And notice how Luke begins this book. He says, in the first book, referring to the gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And the implication, of course, is that in this book, in the book of Acts, Luke will continue to deal with all that Jesus continues to do and teach after his ascension into heaven. Traditionally, we refer to the book of Acts as the Acts of the Apostles. But it is just as easily, perhaps even better referred to as the acts of the ascended Christ performed through the apostles and the early church. You see, we should never think that the ministry of Jesus ended with his ascension into heaven. It's not as though Jesus came to earth and ministered for three years and then sailed off into the night. It's not as if Jesus ministers for three years and then hands the, the reins over to the apostles and then retires from active ministry. No, Jesus continues his ministry. Even today, he ministers. He ministers from heaven. He ministers as the ascended King of kings and Lord of lords. Even today, Jesus continues to do and teach. And so the only thing that has changed in the ministry of Christ is the way or the manner in which he ministers. For three years, he was physically present on earth. But now that he has ascended into heaven, he is physically present in heaven. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he continues to minister through the church. And this brings us to the Great Commission which we find in verse 8, where we read of the role and place of the church in Jesus' ministry from heaven. And I want us this afternoon to look at three aspects of the Great Commission. I want to answer three questions. The what question, what is the Great Commission? 
The, the where question, question, where do we obey or fulfill the Great Commission? And then third, the how question, how is it that we are able to fulfill the Great Commission? So let's begin with the first question, the what question. What is the Great Commission? You will notice the words of our Savior in verse 8. He says, you will be my witnesses. A witness is one who testifies. A witness is one who confirms or denies certain things to establish the truth. So, yes, it's true that I saw Bob on June 22nd, 2019 at the Rickey's on Fraser Highway. No, it wasn't Jason that jaywalked on Glover Road today. It was Jesse. And we need multiple witnesses to establish the truth. And Jesus commissions the apostles to be witnesses to his public ministry. They are to attest to his life, his teaching, his miracles, all that he did during that three-year period of his public ministry, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. The apostles were there. The apostles were eyewitnesses to these events. And Jesus tells them that it is their duty, it is their responsibility to witness, to bear witness to these things. And in the Gospels, the apostles do just that. The Apostle John puts it this way, that which we have seen and heard, we testify and proclaim to you. But the amazing thing is that Jesus does not simply commission the apostles to bear witness. No, he commissions the church of all ages. And every time and every place, the church, the people of God, are to bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we could even say that the church's primary witness is, by word and deed, to bear witness to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Some of you may know that when I was in university, I was a philosophy major. And as a philosophy student, I wanted an airtight philosophical defense of the Christian faith. I, I wanted to have an answer for every possible objection an unbeliever could bring to me. And truth be told, in my uh, youthful arrogance, I was actually far more interested in winning the argument than I was to bearing witness to the person and work of Christ. I thought it was my job to, to defend Jesus as though he needed a defense instead of simply telling and proclaiming and testifying uh, to what Jesus, to who Jesus is and what he has done. Being a witness is not something that needs to be complicated. 
You don't need to know philosophy to be a faithful witness. You don't need to have a university degree to be a faithful witness. You don't need to master the best evangelistic techniques to be a faithful witness. You simply need to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen and ascended Savior. You need to know who he is and what he has done and what he is doing for you. Now, suppose that I had a granddaughter named Ellie. And suppose I asked my dear granddaughter Ellie this question. Ellie, how do you know that that man sitting beside you is your father? And she might say to me, well, that's easy. He loves me. He cares for me. He hugs me. He reads to me, but Papa, you're the one who takes me out for donuts. But I know he's my dad because he loves me and he does all of these things for me. And no one would criticize Ellie and say to her, Ellie, that's not good enough. You need to give a sophisticated legal definition or a scientific explanation No, we would hear her witness, and we would be moved, and we would believe that Jeremy is her father. And in the same way, to bear witness to Jesus simply involves sharing who he is and what he does. And in one sense, this will be different for everyone. We are different ages. We have different capacities. We have different abilities. We have different interests. And so each of our testimonies will be unique, deeply shaped by who we are, by our own personal stories. And at the same time, our witness will be the same for we are bearing witness to the risen and resurre- to the risen and ascended Christ that's the what question what is the great commission it is simply to bear witness to the risen and ascended Christ But there's also the where question. Where are we to bear witness? Well, Jesus expects the church to grow and fill the earth. And so wherever the church is, there the church must bear witness. Where does the church bear witness? Everywhere, wherever she is. Notice again what Jesus says to his disciples. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And this is exactly what happens in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles bear witness in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, the church begins to bear witness to Christ in Judea, 
and Samaria. And by the time you get to the end of the book, Paul is in Rome to the end of the earth, and there he bears witness to the risen and ascended Christ. The kingdom of God is not restricted to one particular people. It's not restricted to one particular language. It's not restricted to one particular culture. For when Adam sinned, his sin had consequences for the whole of creation. And the whole universe is under the curse. And the whole universe groans under that curse, waiting for salvation. And through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus establishes a worldwide salvation. As we sing in that great Christmas carol, he comes to make his blessings flow. For as the curse is found, for as the curse is found. And let me say it again. Jesus brings his salvation to the end of the earth through the faithful witness of the church. God appoints the end, the salvation of the whole earth, and God appoints the means, the faithful witness of the people of God. He will save, God will save the nations as they hear the gospel, as they hear us bearing witness to the risen and ascended Christ. And one of my favorite verses in the book of Acts is found in Acts 8, Acts 8 verse 4, where we read of the church being ravaged by Saul, who has gone from house to house, dragging off believers and committing them to prison. And the church is scattered. And the scattered church preaches the word. The scattered church, wherever they are, the scattered church bears witness to the good news of the risen and ascended Christ. Even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances, the people of God cannot keep the gospel to themselves. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. It's what we do. We let the world know who Jesus is and what he has done. That leads us to the last question, the how question. How is it that we are able to bear witness to the risen and resurrected Christ? Notice how verse 8 begins. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then, and only then, will you be my witnesses. Jesus is here, of course, referring to that great event of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, when the Holy Spirit baptizes the church. We need the power of the Spirit, the the promise of the Father to be faithful in our witness. 
being a witness isn't always easy. And in, in, in one sense, it is easy. We simply need to speak openly and freely uh, of, of Jesus, of who he is and what he has done. But in another sense, it is terrifying. It's very difficult, especially when those to whom we are bearing witness are hostile to the gospel, when they're hostile to us. When we are being persecuted for the faith. And this is why Jesus says in John chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that Jesus has said. It is by the power of the Spirit, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to be witnesses. And this is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 says that we do not need to be worried about what to say when we are dragged before our enemies because the spirit of our Father will give us words to speak. The spirit of our Father will speak through you. We cannot do this in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, the most marvelous thing about this is that we receive the same Spirit that came upon the Lord Jesus Christ in his baptism. You will remember that great story, how the Spirit of God descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ and anointed him for his ministry and empowered him for his ministry so that for the next three years he was able to do his Father's will perfectly. And that same Spirit has been given to us The spirit of the living God, the spirit of Christ has been given to us so that we may bear witness to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has ascended into heaven not to retire, but to continue his ministry, to continue to do and teach through you, through me, through the ongoing ministry of the church. The kingdom of God has arrived. It is here, and it is growing. And as we bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, our risen and ascended Savior, The nations will come to faith, and the earth will be filled 